The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on October 21, 2012, based on Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit focuses our hearts and minds on Jesus is the second lesson, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Please listen again to the opening verse. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Maybe you've seen this sign before on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. It spells the word coexist using various symbols from different religions and philosophies. The C is the crescent star of Islam. The O is the pentacle of Wicca and neo-paganism. The E is part of the formula E equals MC squared, reminding us of, of science as well as evolution, modernism, humanism, even atheism. Next comes for the X, the, the uh, star of David from Judaism. The dot on top of the I is the wheel of Dharma from Buddhism, which would remind us of Hinduism as well. Then comes the yin and yang of Far Eastern philosophies like uh, Confucianism and Taoism. And then at the end, the cross has the T for Christianity. And at one level, maybe I could agree with this idea of coexisting with other religions. We certainly don't want to start wars or begin crusades or carry out jihad just because someone has a, a different faith than we do. Now, of course, if, if our country is attacked, that may be a different case. But even there, such a war shouldn't be fought because there are different religions, but because of their actions or threatened actions. And likewise, I think we also would acknowledge we should coexist on, on a social level in that we shouldn't treat someone as a second-class citizen or a lower caste or keep them from advancing in society just because they have a different view of the afterlife than we do. But the problem here, the problem behind this idea, though, comes when I say that only Jesus saves and that only those who believe in Jesus will be saved. But you see, now I've, I've elevated Christianity. I've elevated Jesus above all the other religions and philosophies. And that's when they accuse me of no longer coexisting. So be it. Jesus alone, only Jesus, brings the right relationship with God. Only Jesus brings salvation and eternal life. Only Jesus has paid for all the sins of the world so that sinners are justified before God freely by grace alone and have peace with God only through faith in Jesus alone. And so, and so only those who believe in Jesus, the real Jesus of the Bible. Only those who trust in him as 
their Redeemer, the only Redeemer, who listen to his word, who follow him as their God and Savior, only those with such a faith will be saved. And if that's not coexisting, well, then so be it. For you see just how different Jesus is from all the other religions and philosophies out there. How different Jesus is. Dear Christians, faithfully confess that difference. Faithfully confess how different Jesus is no matter what kind of ridicule or pressure the world may exert on us to coexist by their standards. No matter what the cost or the loss, faithfully confess how different Jesus is. That's the theme here today for the sermon. Confess, first of all, that he alone is the apostle and high priest. And secondly, confess that we are his house if we hold on to him. Faithfully confess how different Jesus is. As we take a look at the text here, part one, it's important for us, us to realize that the first readers of this text were thinking of turning away from Jesus because of the persecution they were suffering. Many of them had been followers of, of the Old Testament faith, the Jewish faith. That's why it's called the letter to the Hebrews. And they were thinking, maybe we should go back to our old ways. Then at least the Romans wouldn't be persecuting us. But the divinely inspired writer holds before them just how different Jesus is and warns them that turning away from Jesus also loses all that Jesus has, has won for them. And so the letter begins in the first two chapters by holding up Jesus as the Son of God, showing that the Old Testament scriptures foretold the coming of Jesus as the Son of God, greater than all the angels. Yet he became our brother, flesh and blood, like us but without sin. He became our brother to rescue us from death's slavery by his own suffering and death on the cross in our place. Now, as we come to chapter 3 here, he reminds his readers and us that this is the faith that the Heavenly Father has called us to. Faith in Jesus. And through faith in the Son, Jesus Christ, we have been brought into God's family so that we are brothers and sisters in faith, but we can only be in God's family if God counts us as holy in His sight. And, and there too, that is what we have through Jesus. His blood washes us clean. So He addresses us as holy, holy brothers. And then points our hearts and minds to focus on how faithfully Jesus carried out the work the Father appointed him to do, the work of apostle and high priest. Listen again to those opening words. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confess he was faithful to the one who appointed him. Only Jesus is the apostle and high priest we need. Now, what comes to mind when you hear that word apostle? 
usually the first thing I think of are the disciples like Peter, James, and John, whom Jesus personally sent out to proclaim his message, to, pro- uh, to preach the gospel, the good news. Now, if the, disciples, the, the apostles there are the ones whom Jesus sent out, who is the one who sent Jesus out as the apostle? God the Father, of course. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples on that first Easter evening? He said, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We might say that Jesus is the original apostle, the the, the, the source, the archetype through which all the others receive their apostleship. And as the apostle, Jesus brings a message that no one else could know. Only Jesus makes the true God known. You and I and anyone else can only know the true God through Jesus. Think of what uh, the first chapter of, of the Gospel of John says. No one has seen the Father, has seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Only Jesus reveals the true God. And so all these other religions and philosophies out there, they're all running after idols. Even though they may dress them up in different ways, only Jesus reveals the true God. Do you see how exclusive Christianity is? No wonder they accuse us of not coexisting. But Jesus is more than just an apostle. Than just He is more than just the messenger. Yes, as the apostle, the Father sent him to bring that message that only Jesus can bring. To bring that message that makes the true God known. But Jesus is not only the bringer of the message, he himself is the message. Again, think back to the Gospel of John. What does the opening verse of that Gospel call Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. And think about that name for Jesus, the Word. Words not only bring us a message, words are the message. And so Jesus was not only sent out to bring the good news as the apostle, but he was also sent out to be the good news as the high priest. And this too sets him apart as unique and different from all the other religious leaders, whether they be Buddha, Mohammed, Joseph Smith, or even Moses. They simply claim to bring a message from God, but Jesus himself is the message. He is the high priest. Do you remember what the high priests did in the Old Testament? They offered sacrifices. They slaughtered the animal, poured out the blood, and burnt a portion of the fat or flesh on the altar. And yet all those, that blood of beasts, all that smoke and and all those carcasses couldn't pay for sin in and of itself. But Jesus, the great high priest, he offered the one sacrifice, the complete sacrifice that pays for your sins and mine. 
In fact, it pays for the sins of Adam and Eve, the sins of the wicked world in Noah's day, the sins of Pharaoh at the, Mo- at the time of Moses, the sins of Caiaphas, Pontius Pilate, and Judas, the sins of Hitler, Stalin, and Pol Pot, the sins of that last baby who will be born before the end of the age. Or even going back to, to the, the symbols here, Jesus has paid for the sins of those who follow Islam or neo-paganism or atheism or Judaism or Hinduism or Far Eastern philosophies. He's paid for the sins of all people, no matter what their faith or belief. For he has offered the one complete sacrifice. What is that sacrifice? that pays for all the sins of the entire world, past, present, and future? Himself. Not the blood of beasts, but His holy, precious blood. The blood of God. Only His blood atones for sin. Only His blood turns God's anger away from us. Only His blood redeems and ransoms us. Only the blood of Jesus, our great high priest. Think of that first hymn that we sang here. Jesus, our great high priest, offered his blood and died. My guilty conscience seeks no sacrifice beside. Yes, that's how exclusive Christianity is. Jesus is the only sacrifice that pays for sin. And it pays for all the sins of the world. What a great apostle and high priest he is. As the apostle, he brings us God's message. No one else could make the Father known except Jesus, our Apostle. And no one else could offer this sin-atoning sacrifice except Jesus, our High Priest. Hold on to what Jesus has done for you. For it is only through faith in Him that the benefits of that sacrifice belong to us. Yes, He paid for all the sins of the world, but those who do not know Jesus, those who do not trust Him in faith, have, 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 uh, do not benefit from that sacrifice. They are still lost. And that brings us to the second part here. Yes, we are the house of God. We are His people, His family, if we hold on to Jesus. And this is the point that the writer wants, wants to bring home to, to his, his first readers here and to us still today. They wanted to turn away from Jesus and go back to Moses. Now, there's nothing wrong with Moses. As the text makes clear, he was a faithful servant in God's house. And he faithfully proclaimed the message that the Lord would give him to speak. But his message, his message was not about following him, Moses. His message was about following Jesus. And this is what makes Moses, the Moses of the Bible, different than the the Moses that, that Judaism claims today. For Moses, too, pointed people to Jesus. He believed in Jesus as his God, the builder of all things. He believed that Jesus had brought the house, the family of God, together. He knew that the Savior was coming. Listen again to how how the text brings that out. That Moses knew that he was simply a a servant in the house, that, that 
The builder was God. The coming Savior. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. But God is the builder of everything. Yes, Moses believed that Jesus, the coming Savior, was his God, who had created all things as the builder, and who also had brought his people together into his family, his household. And Moses also believed that Jesus, the coming Savior, was the Christ, the Son, who was over the house. The text continues, Moses was a faithful servant, in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And so we see that to turn away from Jesus, even if it's turning back to try to follow Moses, is really rebelling not only against Jesus, but rebelling against Moses as the people of Israel had done in the desert. To turn away from Jesus, to think that he is only one of several ways that coexist to bring different kinds of people closer to God, is to reject all that Jesus has won for us and to be lost just as the followers of all the other religions and philosophies are lost. But we, dear friends, as it says here, we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. Yes, these words are not only addressed to those first readers, but to you and me as well, who have been brought into God's household, reborn into his family through the water and word of of baptism, we who have been washed clean so that we are holy in God's sight. These words are addressed to you and me. We are his house. If, if we hold on to Jesus. On the other hand, if if we turn away from our baptismal faith, if we choose our own course in life, setting our own standards, if we decide that we'll determine what's right and wrong without regard to to God's holy will revealed in his commandments, if we neglect his word and no longer take it to heart, then we too have turned away from Jesus and are lost. If we hold on to Jesus, what blessings await us. We are his house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast, faithfully hold on to Jesus, dear Christian friends. Hold on to him with that courage that finds your confidence in his promises alone. That courage that confesses Jesus denying yourself, saying no to sin, and following Jesus. Faithfully hold on to him with that courage. That courage that takes up our cross and faithfully confesses how different Jesus is. And faithfully confess him as you share the hope that you have. That hope 
that will not disappoint. That hope that is built on Jesus' blood and righteousness. That hope that eagerly anticipates the glory of heaven no matter how dark or bright our earthly days may be. And don't just keep that hope to yourself. But boast of that hope. Yes, this is how we faithfully confess Jesus. And this is how we can draw others to know him, to be part of his household too, so that they aren't lost by the other, in the other religions and philosophies out there. Boast. Not in your faith, strength, or knowledge. Not in your, your soul, spirituality, or selflessness. Not in your gifts or, or abilities. Boast in Jesus. Boast of the crucified which means don't be ashamed to follow him. Don't be ashamed that your Savior is Jesus Christ, who died and who rose from the dead. Rather, faithfully confess him as the only one who saves. Join the hymn writer in that prayer. Your works, not mine, O Christ, speak gladness to my heart. They tell me all is done. They bid my fear depart. For who but you who can alone for sin atone, Lord, shall I flee. Faithfully confess. Faithfully confess how different Jesus is. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.